Hi, it's George here from the Unofficial Controller Podcast. Just taking a moment to, first of all, thank you for listening. It means a hell of a lot to us. Secondly, every week we bring you free content, the latest news, the new releases, a feature of note, normally something to do with games or gaming past, be it one of our history of documentaries or an insight into the industry itself or how games have affected us as people. Well, yes, we incorporate you listeners into that. All we ask is that you drop a little comment on our post on social media and you can get featured on the show. Hey, do you know what? You may even win a prize. The only charge for this is zero pounds, zero pence, zero dollars. That's right. No money. But all we ask is that you like, subscribe and leave a review wherever you found this show. And if you're feeling a little bit cheeky, tell a friend, get them to do the same. We have a Discord that's free for you guys to all join in and get involved in. And the community on Instagram and Twitter is alive and thriving. So don't be a lonely gamer. Make yourself known. Thank you. And now it's time to begin this week's entertainment. Take care, guys. Welcome to the Unofficial Controller Podcast, your weekly gaming podcast, episode 83, Pixels versus Photorealism. With me, George, and as always, joined by Bobby, 8-bit perfection to my, just hang on a bit, I'm working on it. How's it going? Good, good. Excellent. It's uh, sun's peeking through the clouds out here in New York City, Mm -hmm. the home of the Unofficial Controller Podcast, or the, the new home of the Unofficial Controller Podcast. Now we both live here in the fine United States of America. Should we give fans new and old a little rundown of what we've got coming up, Bobby? Let's do it. In the news, we've got some Nintendo Switch news. Yes, even the Switch is making headlines in December. Then we've got the feature, which is Pixels versus Photorealism, incorporating our comments and the listeners' comments, as always. Then we've got the main man himself ripping down fifth for main. The mighty Stingray's going to pop his boot. We're going to take a pick and talk you through the latest new release highlights for this week. And then the show can only end when I ask Bobby what he's hoping to play. But it cannot begin yet because Odders has been doing what can only be described as a Santa run on a sleigh through his local village just to welcome that Christmas spirit on. So Odders, grip that sleigh handle tight, friend, as I say to Bobby, what you been playing? Oh, I, uh, I finished Bug Snacks. I got the platinum for that. Oh, and I liked it a lot more towards the ending of the game because it kind of took like a dark, sad turn, which I didn't expect at all. But that was pretty interesting. I wish. Are there any missable trophies, or is it literally you just bolt in, get through it, and pop out? I and mean, flatten them? there's nothing really missable. The the last boss battle can be missable. You have to do certain thing, but it, if you do all the side quests, it's impossible because. It basically, if you finish all the, all the side quests, the last missable trophy is, mm. you know, you can do it without any help at all. Right, okay. It, 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 it'll automatically uh, do it. So that was pretty cool. I didn't think I would like it as much as I did. So it was okay. It wasn't bad at all. And then I just have uh, 
Assassin's Creed Valhalla at 95 hours in. Ooh. Yeah, so th- basically after 70 hours, 75 hours, whatever it was, I took a little break and did bug snacks. But now I'm back on Valhalla. Mm, okay. I just got to Jorvik. Which is Viking York. Mm-hmm. How's that? That's, I mean, that was their biggest city, biggest Viking city in the UK. So I'd imagine that looks pretty vibrant, pretty cool. Yeah, it does look pretty cool, I have to say. It's, uh, they're talking about like the Yule, so I, I guess it's like Christmas time up there or mm. whatever their Yule is. You hear a lot about Yules. Right, okay. You know, the only, the only Yule I know is on the MSG channel where they put the Yule on the TV. Are you sure it's not Yarl? No, Yule. It's Y-U-L-E. Okay, all right. Well, that's... Which, I don't know. It's, okay. Maybe it, once I do a little of the story, maybe there'll be something that can kind of explain it, I guess. I don't know. I wonder if it's based on the time of your console. But, uh, there's no snow on the ground in the rest of the UK, or, or is it, you know... It's, saying that, it's ba- it must be based around autumn because some of the trees are losing their leaves and turn brown. Yeah, and like I noticed... Dramatic decision. But... As you go north, you know, there's snow and i guess they're making it colder i guess it's kind of weird almost like tashima yes kind of where you would go be rainy or you know foggy sunny yeah i'm guessing it's kind of the same i mean i don't know why the north would be cold but hey listen it is a little bit colder the further north you get in the uk but it's true too too, certainly doesn't go from spring to winter in uh, a matter of meters does it (laughs) no no is there anything else oh no that's it really that's that's it i have also been playing a little bit of Valhalla. The latest story where that I've done is the one where you help put King is it Desmond on the throne with his um, East East Anglia? Yes. That's yeah, the best that's I the best that. side story. That's the best story I've done in Valhalla to this point. I that's pretty it. cool. The characters yeah. were good. He was mm-hmm. good. Great juxtaposition. I liked the wedding. I thought that was quite good. That was pretty it. cool. Yeah, they did a good yeah. job. Yeah, no spoilers there because obviously yeah, yeah. this takes a little bit of a turn towards the end and I was a little bit heart in mouth. I was like, oh no, don't say we've... No, oh, no, please. Yeah. His wife, his, his wife is beautiful. Mm-hmm. I'll marry her in digital form. <laughs> she would take my hand in marriage. Tattoos and all. Yeah, the whole bag of tricks. She <laughs> shaved her eyebrows off and put circular tattoos for eyebrows, but I'm not bothered. Um, finish Miles Morales. What can I say about that? I don't think I'd said I'd finished it last week. I think we had a few more to do. We cleared yeah. it up. And we've got every trophy bar the new game plus and the 100 plus combo, which will fall for us naturally because the amount yeah. of you know, the baddies and the frequency of them presents themselves in the new game plus much easier. So we've got 100 plus combo or 100 combo to do and finish the new game plus, and that's the platinum for that. Beautiful. Didn't outstay its welcome. In a way, the length of the game was far more sort of suitable than maybe the original Spider-Man was, where there were times where it sort of maybe out. You, know, you were a little bit sort of like, oh god. To me, kind of had like a little bit of mid-game drag, just a yeah. little bit. But well, then it, it picked you know, up. It picked up and it accelerated yeah, it did towards up, its yeah. conclusion. And the opening few hours of that game are really quite fun. But Miles Morales didn't need to hold your hand and talk you through it. There was an assumption that you've already played the original mm-hmm. game. So a lot of it's just, sort of, in a way, it's not a difficult game, but I'd imagine that you could consider yourself being thrown in at the deep end. But the new powers mix it up, the Venom powers, keep it fresh, keep it exciting, keep it moving. How they can do, I almost want them to rest Spider-Man now because I really don't know how they could do a Spider-Man 2 in Manhattan. 
and keep our interest again mm-hmm. because it would be very, very similar. The only thing they could do that I could think of is open up the other boroughs. Yeah, but Manhattan makes sense to swing around because the the scale and the height of the buildings. Yeah, that is true, yeah. You're going to be doing an awful lot of running on the street in Queens if you're not careful, and I think that would be really boring, like walking around Long Island because most houses are yeah, two no. stories high. It's not going to mm-hmm. work. So Mm-mm. Manhattan makes sense. A third game in Manhattan, because there was even times in Miles where I was sort of swinging around and I was thinking, hmm, this is good, and I'm liking the new Venom powers, and I'm especially liking the Spider-Man the Cat storyline that fully evolves when you finish the game. But, yeah. But what can I say? PS5, when you're executing the moves of the ray tracing and it does a slow-mo move of you doing the Venom, you realize just how pixel-perfect that game is. It looks Mm -hmm. fantastic. And so I implore anyone to get that. You think that's why maybe Arkham Knight, people kind of like, oh God, it's more of the same, but new. Because you did really three games in in, uh, Gotham City. Yeah, I think I'm quite, Arkham Knight's the new um, upcoming semi-multiplayer online game without Batman, but with Robin, Mm -hmm. Batgirl and all those. I'm actually quite excited for that. I'm excited for it too. More so than I am Suicide Squad. Yeah, I don't, I don't even know enough about that to even understand what that's supposed to be. Mm. But I, it kind of grew on me now that you can drop in, drop out with your friends. That's pretty cool. Wait, hang on. Let's address the devil in the room. Cyberpunk 2077. Mm-hmm. I've got it, obviously. Hands-on sort of behind-the-scenes preview mm-hmm. we did last week. It's gone down really, really well. And if you're a new listener off the back of that, thank you. Welcome to the family. Don't forget to join the Discord. Blah, blah, blah. Putting all that to one side. Cyberpunk 2077, I'm playing it backwards compatible mode on the PS5. And I, it is a wonderful game. Mm-hmm. We'll put the glitches to one side. We'll talk about those in the news because we've got a section dedicated to that. I have never played a game where the tutorial is so long. I mean, I think I'm technically still <laughs> in the tutorial, but the first three or four hours is very, very handholdy. And obviously off the back of the perception of what you've seen in the advertisements and stuff. And I don't blame them for that because you've got to sort of, you've got to refine 150 hour experience down into a two minute to a 30 second clip that makes it suitable to be an advertisement of the mm-hmm. products that it's going to look a little bit, you know, but you know me, I'm a stickler for, for detail. Like the first time you meet a ripper doc and get a cyber enhancement, you see it all happen. The second time you visit a ripper doc, it's just a menu. The first time you eat a meal, you see you eating or drinking and it feels great. Next time you go, it's just a menu where you buy a drink and consume it like a stat. So I would rather it was, and, and there's only so many restaurants, but you walk by a million restaurants to get to a restaurant that will actually serve you food. And then you think to yourself, well, is there any point? Because I just pick up bits of like chocolate bar off the floor and no one says anything and no one cares. And I consume that and that gives me health. Yeah. And I'm mostly living off like stim packs and meds. You know, if you get shot, you eat a little bit of med and boom, you're all right again. So, um, so some of the level of interactivity and depth I thought would be there isn't there. Um, so you know, that's an issue. But once the game sort of finishes the first opening heist section and you meet Johnny Silverhands, I'm not going to reveal how or why that takes place, but it does. <clears throat> Excuse me. And the world opens up. 
you start to feel a little bit overwhelmed. But I would recommend anybody start with the Delamain Cab Missions um, straight off the bat because it's a nice way of easing yourself into the world, visiting all the islands while staying relatively low-key and off the radar. There is a little bit of combat in there, but it's not that difficult. There was one section that had me a little had struggling a little bit but i sorted my clothing out so my armor rating went up and i sort of walked through that section i just can't get enough of it i've although it's crashed on me numerous times now when we last spoke it crashed a couple of times i would say i'm up to about five times now mm-hmm. one thing i would recommend and i will say it again in the news is turn your console off actually yeah. off don't put it in rest mode so end the game Turn the console off, make sure you got the update and restart the console from a power boot. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I mean, if I had a PlayStation 4 vanilla from 2014, I might be a little bit blue, I'd imagine, because I should say it doesn't run very well on there from yeah. the videos I've seen from our friends at Digital Foundry. But um, I'm in a privileged position where I'm playing it on PS5 and I haven't really got a that many bad words to say about it. I wish it was deeper. I wish it was more involved. I know that sounds crazy, but uh, yeah, we'll see how it simmers in. I'm probably about, I think I looked last night and I've already done over 20 hours in it. Whoa, look at you. I know, plus the time I've done. Dude, I haven't even seen Cyberpunk flash up on the screen yet, so I'm not (laughs) even to the point where the titles have popped. Can you believe Wow. I've been doing a lot of side missions because some of the early missions grind you to have money. And I mm-hmm. rather foolishly paid off a ripper doc that I owed money to that didn't even want the money. And I was like, no, take it. And I blew 22 grand on, on this dude. And I probably Ooh. shouldn't have done, you know, I shouldn't have done, but yeah. now I need to grind for 15 grand and I'm five grand short. And it's a little bit of a problem because I keep seeing clothes that I want and, cyber optics that I want and not that it changes anything apart from in the background in the preview I said it would be a glitchy dice dice rolling mess in the background mm-hmm. that's true that's absolutely true really? um, very much so the other thing the only other thing I've been playing a little bit Astrobot VR um, still fantastic stand that mission was where you're in you get eaten by a whale and you're navigating through the inside of the whale and because it's moving around in the sea the water level changes inside and astrobot's got a little rubber ring on and he floats up and you're underwater and then the water goes down and you have to wait for the water go, to go up to get him on different platforms the surround sound on the oh, headphones and everything that you're seeing is just so entrancing it is an absolute system seller in my opinion and as I said last week, I'm late to the party. I know I am, but for me, Blood and Truth, Astrobot VR, and uh, No Man's Sky VR are an absolute reason to get headset. No question. Killer apps. The only other thing I've been playing, which is a little bit strange of me, but this is classic me, I've been playing some Ratchet and Clank on the PSP. Size matters, because <laughs> why not at this point? Exactly. With that, all said and done, Bobby. I would imagine it's probably time to jump into the news. We've scoured the very darkest regions of the internet to bring you the latest stories. First up, I shall go first, Bobby. Miles and Miles and Peter. As is already the case with Marvel's Spider-Man Miles Morales, as was teased by Insomniac Games earlier in the week, Marvel's Spider-Man Remastered now includes a performance ray tracing option, which allows you to enjoy the game at 60 frames per second with ray tracing enabled. Overall, this lowers the base resolution, but fuses the title's two graphical options to provide a best of both worlds. 
Question, listeners, did you get the remastered edition included on the Miles Morales special edition on PS5, or have you had enough of that original game already? I'm still loving the PS4 original remastered for PS5, but are you? Drop us your thoughts on Discord or socials. Probably what do you make of this? They've managed to squeeze ray tracing and 60 frames per second out of both Miles and Peter's PlayStation encounters with PS5. I think that's pretty, that's pretty awesome that they, that they did that. I'm excited to, to check it out. Again, these are sort of hybrid cross-gen games, aren't they? Although mm-hmm. Miles is definitely doing stuff that you couldn't do on the... Although it is on PS4, the PlayStation 5 version is doing things that you couldn't do on I'm the sure. PS4. And the same for the Marvel's Spider-Man on the PlayStation 5, the remastered edition. It does court Sony's want to take a game off the last gen polish its face up a little bit, you know, like Mumsy spits on a wet mm-hmm. handkerchief and wipes dirt off your face. They like to do that to their last-gen titles, like last-gen on PS4. We had Last of Us Remastered doing a very similar yeah. set of tricks on us. Can we forgive them? I mean, I like the fact that I got Spider-Man digitally as part of the Miles Morales uh, PlayStation 5 game because I got mm-hmm. the Ultimate Edition or whatever yeah, it was yeah. called. And it means it's just sat on the hard drive. So I ain't got a, if I'm feeling lazy and I want to play something different, I just go to the menu, select, go, and I'm in. I don't have to get a disc out. I don't have to move off the couch and therefore spill Cheetos all over myself. <laughs> uh, but yeah, are you, are you getting Miles at some point in time? Yeah, definitely. I asked... Uh... I asked the big man, Santa. Oh, excellent news. Why not, bro? If anyone can get you one, he can. 100%. Are you getting the, are you just getting miles or are you going to, or is it the, I don't know if the PlayStation 5, I never actually researched this because I know you can buy, if you put the PS4 version in, it upscales it to the PS5 game anyway, the remastered one. Well, no, I got got the PS5 Ultimate. I asked for it. Oh, you've got the Ultimate coming. Uh, mm-hmm. Right, okay. So the good news with that is, because I think if you put the original Spider-Man in, it downloads a PlayStation 4 version for you to play on backwards compatibility and yeah. then clutters up your hard drive with a PS5 version as well. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. a little bit messy, that sort of uh, implementation from Sony, whereas Xbox have got that sewn up in a cocked hat, like the smart delivery that yeah, they've got. Th- when I first put in Valhalla, I was like so surprised that it asked me which version I want to play. Obviously the PS5 version. Did you buy PS4 Valhalla or did you pay buy PS5? I bought PS5. You see, and when mine, I put it in, it asked me. I got paranoid. I've checked this more than once. I only I got the choice of the PlayStation 5 version. But see, I if I go right now and look, it'll say game management or yeah. whatever. It'll ask PS4, PS5. So I'm always on the PS5 version. Yeah, snap. It's just so strange, but I mean, Valhalla looks great. I don't. I never checked the PS4 option to look i've only done ps5 maybe i should check it out and see if there's any differences but obviously it might be a little slower i mean the loading time is quick because i take about two steps and boom i'm in the next section yes fast travel yeah so obviously it should be should be a little longer on the ps4 well no because you're playing it on ps5 aren't you so it's going to be the same oh that's true yeah you're right (laughs) 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 makes sense yeah, what's the next out of the news bag, Bobby? We got it's never going to switch off. Uh, Nintendo has announced that the Switch outsold its rivals to be the best-selling console of November 2020 in the U.S. The achievement means that the system has now held the best-selling console honor for 24 months in a row. Wow! Figures, uh, yeah, that's incredible. 
Uh, figures provided by the NPD group show that the combined sales of the Switch and the Switch Lite systems hit over 1.35 million throughout November, with Thanksgiving and Black Friday no doubt giving the console a decent boost. Uh, the Switch has now sold 6.92 million units in the U.S. So, so far this year, a total which has already bettered the entirety of 2019. Uh, the result also means that the Switch has managed to outsell both the PS5 and the Xbox Series X and S consoles in their first month in sale. It's worth noting, however, that the retailers all over the country very quickly sold out of stock for the new systems. So it may have been a different story if more units had been available. Uh, Nick Chavez, Nintendo America's Senior Vice President of Sales and Marketing, explains that the company continues to see unprecedented demand for the Switch. Uh, he says Nintendo Switch offers a unique position for shoppers this holiday season with the ability to play on the TV or portably in handheld mode. We continue to see unprecedented demand for the Nintendo Switch, and we are pleased that all people of all ages and gaming skills will be experiencing Nintendo Switch this holiday and beyond. Beautiful story. It's nice to know that you know they are falling off the curve. They took that decision to go handheld, and that's their USP. It's a, uh-huh. it's a home system on the go, yep. which they have to be applauded for. But I think I've said on several times on the show they've almost painted themselves into a corner they can't do a home console again that's not portable because this user base will drop off so they've they've almost think, got to keep it going but i think with the technology let's say whatever they're going to call it, the switch 2 or whatever yeah it could only get better yeah you'd hope so you'd hope so, so. you know that'd be it's good for nintendo man well these numbers they're never going to go away I can't imagine that the Switch really costs that much to develop and build, so they are must be into profit big time. Again, I mean, classic Nintendo. Yeah. They change the rules, and then they consistently make money. You know, mm-hmm. so fair play to them. I know a lot of people out there gaming on the Switch and enjoy it. For me, it's just not got that level of fidelity in the For me, games. For certain, me, certain games I really enjoy, and I'll play. Like the Marvel Ultimate Alliance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, it was great on PS3 and PS4, fine, but I mean, it's just the perfect visual setup for the Switch. My girlfriend did Animal Crossing, Zelda yeah. looks great, Yeah. Odyssey looks good. I mean, I wouldn't play, you know, a AAA game on it. I can't imagine it being the best. But for what Nintendo is selling its own games, it's phenomenal. Yeah. Top notch. Well, you thought we wouldn't say anything next bit of news you thought we wouldn't say anything well cyberpunk let's face it bobby it's caused some internet fever hasn't it over the course of the past week Uh, before i get stuck into that one thing i would say is there are a lot of people on social media screaming that crunch isn't acceptable and you know cd project red and the likes of rockstar and people like that you know would jump down their throats but now a game's launched, and it, it's a bit buggy, admittedly. Uh, I've seen a couple of visual glitches. One time a guy I was talking to didn't sit in a seat. He just levitated six foot in front of the seat, uh, which I forgave because it's a huge open world and it's early days and fair enough. Um, and it's, I've had some, some crashes. So, you know, it's not perfect. And I admit I'm, again, playing on a new, newer system, so I'm probably not experiencing the very worst Cyberpunk could be. Um, let's say on vanilla PS4 or base Xbox One, launch Xbox One. But <clears throat> it plays better than any um, PS3 Bethesda game that launched during the PS3 era. Oblivion was broken to the point, if you, 
you know, if you actually managed to finish Oblivion on PS3, well done to you because the mm-hmm. one you saved, the slower it got. So I'd imagine by the time you ended up, it was probably on one or two frames per second and it never got patched. Uh, anyway, these people, they, they demand there's no crunch in the industry. Then a game launches and it's broken in places and they're demanding that CD Projekt Red fix it, fix it immediately. Well, that means them crunching during the Christ- Christmas period where they've already mm-hmm. been crunching to get the game out so they won't get time with their families. So probably a little bit controversial of me to say. Also, um, a lot of people saying, why did you even launch on PS4? You should just launch it on PS5. It's all about the money. Well, it is about the money. But also, I'd imagine the same sect of people on the internet that demand it's fixed immediately, who have got the original consoles. If CD Projekt Red had announced last month that actually, do you know what? We've looked at it. We can't get it running on the base consoles. We're not going to launch there. We're going to launch exclusively on next gen they would have screamed the house down. Mm-hmm. Mr. and Mrs. Consumer would have screamed the house down. How can you do that? How can, I've been looking forward to this game. I've had it on pre-order. I now need to buy a $450 system, which aren't even available, so I can play the game. So it's $500 all in just to just to play this game. That's ridiculous. Uh, I mean, that that's just my opinion on it. I'd imagine that if you refreshed your console mid-gen last cycle, so you've got the One X or the Pro, the game's just about workable, um, but it is a, it's, it's a very adventurous idea for a game. It's it's very highbrow, and there's a lot going on. There's not as much going on as I thought there would be, but there is still a lot going on. Um, anyway, we've got some hopefully some tips and tricks to help you maximise your uh, experience. First up, fidelity. Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven is based around a visual style of an eighties retro future. But if you don't want any of that, uh, head to the options, turn off film grain and chromatic aberration. Imagine these uh, two options a little bit like the Kurosawa filter on Ghost of Tsushima. Yes, it looks ice cold cool, but I can understand why some people don't like it per se because it does add some mist and hog phase and hog um fog to the graphics if you want it to be super sharp representation then turn those off i've flicked them on and off depending on how i feel also one would imagine that although it only makes a small difference turning off any graphical filter eases up just a little bit of processing power in our playtest as well hdr is worth turning on if you have a 4k hdr set obviously but you need to tune it so you can't just turn it on and expect a lot of people have been turning hdr on and the options thinking that's sorted now i know the playstation does some hdr calibration in the dashboard none of that matters here because you know (laughs) cyberpunk does it its way Uh, and you need to tune it sometimes every single time you turn the console and cyberpunk on you need to set your nits for your tv so your tv's got a nit rating for its hdr light balance so check in what that is and you can tune it to i would say a great compromise is 900 and set your paper white value to 200 and then leave the third option to two from memory that resulted in a a really nice image it wasn't over it wasn't washed out you know if you're in a dark room you could still from the light sources in the room make out the color of uh, people's faces you could see them when i turned it off they were just all in darkness so you couldn't really see them so i'd recommend turning it on but don't just turn it on and expect it's basically a pc game that's been gimped to run on a console that's Mm -hmm. all these sliders and options that's all it's for secondly the bugs as we mentioned in the uh what you've been playing section and earlier um 
my experience of them has been low in frequency. It might be my slow pace absorption of the world, but I'm not hanging around either. I mean, we've talked to over 20 hours in, um, but it has crashed. So top tip, make sure you've got the latest patch, 1.04. This will help a lot. Other than that, please be patient. As we said before in the news, it's, uh, well, it's probably I don't think I've mentioned it, actually. It's probably one of the slowest burning games <laughs> I've ever played. Uh, and I can understand if you were hyped off the trailers and you thought, oh, brilliant, futuristic GTA, I'm getting that. I should imagine your local game stops have probably built a small pallet's worth of Cyberpunk 2077s already. Also, yeah. I know that Sony and Microsoft have been um, sort of coerced into giving digital refunds as well. So, uh, yeah, and that brings us to the final point. Sometimes very tongue-in-cheek uh, in the Stingray new releases section, we mention Stadia. But if you want a great way to play Cyberpunk 2077 without the furor of the console, let's say you've bought it on original Xbox, original PS4, it's not running very well and you're frustrated, there are ways to get Stadia super cheap. You've already got a controller that will work with your Fire Stick if you've Mm -hmm. got one, or you could pop down to your local supermarket and pick one up. If you... um, I think there's a Cyberpunk option at the moment where you can get Google Stadia for a stupidly cheap amount of money. Get it. Get Cyberpunk on there. I mean, Google's supercomputer is the most powerful console. I mean, let's face it, they've got more money than sense, Google. And mm-hmm. if they've built a gaming rig, Bobby, one would imagine it's, it's pretty good. And from what I've seen, Stadia, especially if you've got the internet for it, and I'd imagine most people have got good enough internet for this, Cyberpunk will blow your brains out. And it might be the first foothold in the hardcore gamer market stadia we're looking for from what i've seen it's probably the best place to play it bar a a home pc rig that's probably cost you twenty thousand pounds stadia (laughs) doesn't cost anywhere near that amount of money Mm -hmm. so you know maybe if you want to experience it this december you can't wait and you want to play it in the best fidelity you can with all the options turned on and there'll be crowds and crowds and crowds of people Try it out. Try it out. What's the worst you could lose? Maybe 10 bucks, all right? Yeah, it's not the end of the world. And let's face it, Cyberpunk on any other medium is going to run you somewhere in the region of 50 bucks, whatever. So mm. money in your pocket, gamer friends. Question though, Bobby, for you. Mm. Did we miss anything? Do you, dear listener, have an opinion or take on the news that we missed? If so, Bobby, how would the collected masses get in contact with us and say to me, George, Stadia's dead. I don't know what version of Cyberpunk you're playing, but you've got no idea. You can't have an opinion on crunch because the only thing you know about crunching is your cereal when you get up in the morning and you don't normally get up till like one o'clock in the afternoon. You are lower than a rattlesnake's belly. You are the skin that scrapes off a rattlesnake's belly as it crawls under a low fence. <laughs> <laughs> if they wanted to <laughs> if they wanted to let me know that and also that the switch rocks and yeah I'm still playing Spider-Man on PS5 or whatever else we've asked them Bobby how would they get in contact with us we're just at Instagram over on Twitter mm-hmm. you can hear us about the Discord mm-hmm. you can send an email to questions at unofficialcontrollerpodcast.com doesn't really get much easier does it nope Send us a question or a comment that makes us intrigued or raises an eyebrow. And let's face it, every month we give a prize. 
don't forget as well at the end of january we're also given a prize for the person that's been the most unofficial controller like on the discord so if you're not there get there check it out get involved in the community be a good egg and you could be sipping out of an unofficial controller travel mug or sitting on an unofficial controller podcast piles pillow yeah i said piles pillow no i'm not bothered uh, it's time for the feature, Bobby. The the meat in the sandwich of the unofficial controller podcast. Pixels versus photorealism. I'm excited by this. An interesting topic. Mm-hmm. Um, back in the day, pixels is all you got with character animations drawn on a grid. Much like today, hammers today's hammer beads are used to create our 18 and 16-bit heroes of old. Drawn on a grid, these characters and backgrounds could still ooze style. Yet we wanted, uh, yet we wanted and expected the push for photorealism. But why? Pixels were a relic to uh, time as we push forward, ditching them ever for the ever forward march of technological advancement. We were soon gushing over the rudimentary polygons of the 32-bit era, while at the time we shunned the pixels and any game releasing with pixels, bar the odd exception, would get slaughtered in the press and left on shelves by consumers. Castlevania was an exception on PlayStation, but sadly Shinobi X, although possibly the best Shinobi game, was left hanging on its shelves. Did you play Shinobi X, Bobby? Have you ever had the opportunity? No. You would absolutely love that game. I don't know if you've got an emulation system that will run a Saturn game, but Shinobi X is like the pinnacle of Shinobi games. It really, really it, oh, it leverages all of the Saturn's power to do sort of photorealistic. So when I say photorealistic, the backgrounds, you know, the parallax in backgrounds of old that were all hand-drawn. These mm-hmm. ones are fantastic. It's got a CD soundtrack. It's oh, got wow. multiple scrolling levels. It really plays to everything that Sega thought the 32-bit era would be, which is an evolution of the 16. But when it launched, apart from like particular keen Sega magazines, uh, games like Shinobi X and Side Scrollers were just getting poo-pooed because people were demanding the, uh, I can hear the... Uh, New York's finest. Yeah. In the background. Um, they were poo poo. Castlevania, I think, I don't know how, but it got off slightly easier on PlayStation. It was a, it was a launch window game. Mm-hmm. Spirit of the Night, um, Symphony of the Night. Mm-hmm. Forgive yeah. me. I've sinned. Uh, <laughs> hopefully, they'll let me get away with that slip up. I'm sure they'll let me know in the Discord that I'm a, a below average gamer. Uh, that got away with it, and it's been hailed as a little bit of a gaming icon since, whereas Shinobi X, although still pricey on the second-hand market these days, nowhere near as lauded. You've played Symphony of the Night, right? Yeah, I have that. I have that. I love that game. Fantastic game. I think it's great. Yeah, I would say Shinobi I mean, X equal to it in stature. Wow. Uh, and And for a man who likes sort of twitch gaming old school sort of challenges yeah i think you ought to go on, get on your emulation station and see if you can find it it's 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 so overlooked but it's so it's everything you liked about shinobi ramped up to 11 that sounds cool mm. that sounds real cool do you want to take us through the next section good sir Let's take a look back at pixel art movement. Uh, pixel art was video game presentation like Paint and Anisal, which is a classic artist. There are different eras of gaming. There are many distri- uh, distinct styles, and it's very fascinating to see the evolution of pixel art over time. 
From the arcade to the creations and modern consoles, pixel art is an important benchmark in how video games as a whole have progressed and how they present their stories and gameplay. The early years. The early years of pixel art were a bit rough due to the tech, due to technological, tech, the not tech. <laughs> I probably spelt that wrong as well. <laughs> uh, no, just due to technolo- tech, technical restrictions and the uh, general lack of experience most developers had with games in motion. This had many lead, uh, led to extremely simple blocks attempting to resemble objects and was heavily dependent on the imaginations of players to fill in the blanks. I mean, would you even... Pixel art through the years, when we talk early years, and this has got the notable uses of the style, yeah. the Magnavox Odyssey, the ColecoVision, the Atari 2600, these literally are like early cave art it's like a it's like a man sat in a cave slammed his fingers in some blood and scrubbed a man on the wall it's that's so true that's what the because when i was when i was young before the nintendo my father already had an atari mm-hmm. so we had a loads of atari games but some of the best looking art on the box i've ever oh, seen in my life yes i mean that is an art form that's lost that should be another show right but then you put the game in and it's like you know, yeah, I have to imagine this is a hill or this is a building or that's really Superman with that cave that's just really just like a long rectangle. I mean, it's, uh-huh. it's crazy. <laughs> I, I only had in the only thing I had close to anything in that era was I had access to every now and then my uncle would dust off the Atari 2600 and we would play some of these rudimentary games. I think Pitfall's probably the most mm-hmm. graphically advanced game of that era that I ever saw. Uh, and I had a Pong clone. And, you know, you show them to a kid now, and they're just going to wonder what the hell you're talking about. Uh, there you go. But things moved on quickly, Bobby. Next up was the 8-bit era. Though still decent, decently limited in its technological sense, it was clear developers had grown more ambitious in their attempts at engaging their audience with recognizable characters. This led to appealing game worlds with detailed uh, background, hidden areas, and limited attempts at replicating cinematic cutscenes reminiscent of movies at the time. The shortcuts taken to create stories led to a development of many gaming, uh, many of modern's gaming stories notable uses of the style the nintendo entertainment system the sega master system and of course king of pixel art the game boy <laughs> any uh, i mean you know for me the master system was a very powerful machine for an 8-bit machine but the the icon really of the 8-bit era has probably got to be nintendo they were creating oh, yeah. such fantastic worlds and I would say, for me personally, I don't know about you, but Super Mario Brothers 3 really was the pinnacle of what was achievable. I mean, yeah, the original and that Mario, didn't even look... It didn't, it didn't really look too pixelated either. It was just yeah. so advanced for the system. You know, like, I know Batman looked really well. Um, I'm trying to think what else was really well on that. That's all I can think of right now. I had a little bit of a brain fart. It happens. But, you know, but those two games for sure look The listeners don't realise that when we record, I turn off all the lights and point a very hot white light in your eyes <laughs> and almost interrogate you for the... It's like, yeah, it is. Just, you know, know what it is? Guy. You have all these things in your head and then when you go to say it, you're like, hmm, forgot. Well, I think that uh, from memory, wasn't there like Iron Hoffman's Pro-Am or whatever? I remember that looking pretty good on the NES. 
most of the Nintendo first party titles look great, but mm-hmm. you know, the early Zelda looked a bit wonky. It almost looked like it had fallen off the 2600, yeah. didn't it? But by the time they'd pumped out Mario 3, things were looking quite smart. And the Game Boy, yeah, it's got two colours or however many colours. Yeah, but how cool. But was they're that? all green. But they yeah, did a great job. They did a great job. And there's some games on the Game Boy, like Zelda Link to the Past, etc. No, it's not Link to the Past, is it, on the on the Game Boy? No. Link's Awakening, I think it's called. Um, that looks fantastic. For for the choice of two colours, one of them which is green. I think it looks <laughs> great. Uh, Bobby, why don't you chair through the 16-bit era, friend? We got the 16-bit era. As arcades had reached their peak, console graphics and advanced to the point where they could probably properly replicate what the arcades had. The game creators had refined pixel art to the point that they felt comfortable to venture away from their arcade origins and created their own distinct game worlds and can hold up with games releasing currently. Some games even attempted to blend pixel art with earlier renditions of 3D to varying areas of effectiveness. Yeah, so we look at something like, uh, I mean, a prime example of that would be Star Fox on the SNES or Starwing, mm-hmm. depending on where you're from. I, yeah. The pixel art of the characters in the bottom corner, like (laughs) that looked wonderful. Whereas you had obviously the garage shaded 3D polygons Mm -hmm. of the ships and the planets, which which at the time were mind blowing. Um, And then we talked about it recently, but Super Star Wars. I'll always have a soft spot for this for the 16 bit pixel art in that because it looked amazing. It looked great. Even um, Marvel superheroes. The uh, the gems where yeah. you played as that looked great. The X Men Mutant Apocalypse looked yes. awesome. Uh, Batman and Revenge of Batman and Robin looked great on that. You know, obviously Super Mario World looked phenomenal. But there were so know, many good looking games. Actually, do you know what I would like? You know um, that uh, on the sixteen bit, let's use Super Star Wars as an example, and you've got the sand crawler level where you now. I remember there was an issue of Games Master Magazine, a magazine here in the UK that had managed to. It was. They'd taken the sand crawler, which you go through the exterior of, and you get all the way to the top and then drop inside, and then the next level's the inside. Mm-hmm. But they'd taken screenshots of all of the screens that made up the exterior of the sand crawler and then compressed them down so you could see the whole image mm-hmm. with the platforms on it and everything like that. I would pay money for a print of a recreation of that, you know, so it's almost as like you can zoom the camera out oh, from the 16 yes, bit Super yes. Star Wars and see the whole level because it was broken down into screens because you had to sort of move to the edge and then it would shimmy all the way over and then you would do the back end of the sand crawl. Like a little level up. map. That'd be awesome. Yeah. And as Hang long as it on was your wall. using all the original assets, I think, you know, it was fantastically mm-hmm. done. And there's many levels in there that were multiple, multiple level. In fact, they even did one of the interior as well, which although it didn't fit the exterior exactly, it, yeah, it was yeah. still good enough where it had lots of bits in. And yeah, it was wonderful. Absolutely oh, wonderful. 100%. Some of the 16-bit games look really, really well. Even now, you could put it on and really appreciate it. Oh, of all the machines that, you know, I don't have, I've got a master system, but I don't mm-hmm. have it set up because to be honest, no. And the same with the NES, but mm-hmm. the, the mega drive. Absolutely. I play it all day long. I yeah. think it looks fantastic. It's, mm-hmm. it's almost like the, the evolution of this, of the pixel art to mm-hmm. the point where it's like, do you know what? This is, a, I could, I could play this all day. It's acceptable. It's a game. It's got the gameplay and we'll get to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's almost like the happy cross section. 
Um, the end of an era, the dark ages of pixel art. As consoles like PlayStation and Nintendo 64 were diligent, digital, <laughs> we're both struggling this week, diligently <laughs> to advance the concept of using 3D models to represent characters, pixel art began to slowly fall from popularity. From this point on, pixel art didn't notably advance very much, with most games simply refining art from previous consoles as opposed to creating a new style for themselves. There are a few exceptions. Uh, so a few stubborn companies refused to utilize the three dimensions until it was perfected, but those companies had lost prominence in the industry because of that choice. Notable users of the style in the dark ages of pixel art, the Game Boy Advance, which has to be remembered for its iconic recreation of many SNES games, and the Sega Dreamcast, which obviously with some of its 2D games looked fantastic. But again, I remember at the time, you would often sort of poo-poo a 2D game on the Dreamcast because it, well, I want 128 bits or whatever is the 3D. I want the 3D games. Um, it's a shame, really. But I think the Game Boy Advance was possibly the dawning of the new era because even I, at the time, it wasn't that long ago that I'd put the SNES to bed. But playing the Game Boy Advance, it gave me like a sense of nostalgia for the Super Nintendo and the games like you know all the, all the classic 16-bit Marios, all the um, Mario Kart, although it's a recreation, it's not a pixel-to-pixel perfect copy of the original Mario Kart. It's an advanced version, excuse the pun, but it's certainly... Yeah. Uh, it's very different when you play them side-by-side, side, but I think the Game Boy Advance one does win out, ultimately. In, in If you want to play it now, you would want all the added benefits of the modern version. So Game Boy Advance, uh, fantastic way of playing some pixel art games. Uh, what's next, Bobby? We've got modern times and the resurgence of pixel art. Uh, despite the third dimension establishing its own dominance in game presentation, pixel art still persists, albeit in a smaller amount, than its heyday. Uh, nowadays, pixel art has been mainly relegated to handheld consoles and indie games that go for a retro style. Despite its diminishing presence, pixel art is still evolving, having worlds that rival and even surpass their polygon counterparts. I have to say, like, I reviewed it uh, for Halloween, the Camp Sunshine game. Oh, yeah. They use pixel art, I mean, really, really well. Almost like the best version of a 16-bit game you can possibly get. I thought it was really well done. Even the shading and lighting, that's like, you know, new school meets old school with their retro style. Yeah, I, I look at games like... Well, we'll get to it. The development of pixel art has always been a captivating process. Though starting as a workaround for technical limitations, it was utilized and refined to the point that it was ubiquitous in gaming culture. The highs and lows it faced eventually resulted in developers using pixel art as an artistic choice instead of a shortcut for primitive tech. In our eyes, done right, pixel art is beautiful and fun while giving the games a real edge of nostalgia, such as Stardew Valley. One of my particular favorites, which is probably similar to your, um, what was it, the camp game again? What was it called? Camp Sunshine. Camp Sunshine. Read-only memories 2064. In fact, that was more like, if you're a fan of point-and-click games from back in the day, Mm -hmm. Read-only memories is a a fabulous modern love letter to that. So I implore you to check it out. Uh, Dead Cells, Undertale, and Celeste. But as gamers, we wanted something a bit different. We wanted photorealism. It's become a bit of a cliche, but every generation we say, how can they get better than this? How can they improve graphically on this? But they somehow always do. Are we photorealistic yet? No. Are we close? At times. Well, sometimes. But probably no. 
Uh, do we get closer each generation advancement of TV tech? For sure we do, but this is a good thing. Uh, but is this a good thing? Well, it's the age-old adage, isn't it? Does it play well? Is it fun? Does it keep you going back for more? Did you and your family or friends lose hours to it? Was it such a marvellous solo experience you lost hours to it and people thought you would die, Bobby, much like I've been doing with Cyberpunk? Uh, I guess if yes, then it doesn't matter. I remember drooling over Fallout 3 as I emerged from the bunker. But uh, would we do that now? Probably not. Is it still fun to play? Yeah, I'd say it is, actually. Uh, I guess that's the thing, isn't it? That goes back to that thing when you get a new console, you get the hottest game on it, and you're like, oh, I don't see how they can improve on this. Uh And you look back in your mind's eye, and it's a hell of a lot better looking than it actually is. I don't know whether that's a glitch in the Matrix or whether that's just (laughs) our mind filling in the blanks, much like it did when we were playing pixel art games, Bobby, and we were sat at two years older with a sweet smeared controller as our father looked on saying what on earth are you doing to that really expensive piece of technology and sitting agog at the fact that we could just control something on a screen Mm -hmm. so where are we going with this it's always nice to push the white hot edge of gaming as we say and with that comes excitement of what they could serve us next like visual gluttons we, we lurch from the course of course devouring all we can the, uh, the the sun the sum of all love gaming, uh, pursuing the websites, reading the magazines, listening to podcasts, ever chasing the next big hit. So let's embrace the medium as we do and keep on keeping on. So with so that enough from us, let's find out what listeners have to say on the subject. If you want to get involved, don't forget it's super easy to leave a comment on our Instagram or Twitter, uh, on our Twitter show topics for the coming week. And you never know, not only do we read your comment out to the assembled thousands, you could win a prize too. First up. Well, before we, we lurch into the listeners' comments, have you got any more further thoughts on that? Because we are, we are gluttons, aren't we? Obviously, if you're sat listening to this now, you can't get enough gaming in your life. You know, back in the day, we'd pick the magazines up and devour over the screenshots we'd hoover up every website we could find Mm -hmm. if you're listening to this you are a proper gamer because you can't get enough gaming in the fact that you're now in a car journey or walking to get your fitness level or your steps in and burn off your calories you decided to put some gaming in your ears so you don't miss out while you're out the house i mean that's (laughs) no it's true we're always like addicts, we're always scratching for like when the next console's coming out. What's yeah. the next big game? What do the graphics look like? What the sounds like? What's it going to be like? Is it open world? Yeah, but how big open world is yeah. it? What do the NPCs do? What's this? What's that? What's the other? We just can't get enough of it. And we're always scrabbling for that next big thing, that next big hit. Yep. Um, is the next is PS6 and Xbox 4000 going to be photorealistic or whatever comes out next? Probably not. No. Is the consoles that we've got right now, the PS5 and the Xbox Series X, going to be photorealistic? Probably not, no. Are we going to think they are right now? Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. There's times when I play Valhalla and I'm climbing that Roman wall and I think, well, this is like real life. I don't know if you get any better <laughs> than this. And I was thinking the other day, if Cyberpunk was in uh, VR, I would never leave it's, it. Can you, you know? imagine 20 years from now what we'd be saying about Cyberpunk or you know, Demon Souls or Halo, what would we be saying? Would they look like trash? Would they look like, would we think like NES games? I, I mean, it's going to be incredible. It's really incredible. Yeah. See, the I thing, d- like, like, growing up, you got Nintendo games, 
from your parents, right? They were they were expensive then. They're the, almost the same price as they were now. They're they're much cheaper now. Mm-hmm. So you had to play what you had and you enjoyed it, whatever. Then as you get older, you get your own job. You could buy your own games, and it's like it's never enough. You want the next, the next, the next. You keep going. If, even right now, like I'm itching for games that's not even out yet. Meanwhile, I'm playing something I wanted. You know, it's like you're a spoiled kid. Yeah, completely. Yeah, mm-hmm. completely. I, I, I feel. I personally feel like the corner turned for a game that's acceptable around the PS3 360 era. I can quite happily go back and often do. I mean, the PS5 has kept me away from my dirty love, which is the (laughs) PS3, I would say, for quite a long time now. Mm -hmm. But every night when I've sat down, I've been like, oh, I ought to play a little bit more Yakuza or "Oh, maybe I could pull down one of those one pound games again and play that and it's like, no, 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 you must keep pressing on for the show and all this other stuff. You need to get some of these, you know, get the big hitters knocked down so we can talk about them and give listeners the the hands-on feel and mm-hmm. info that they want about the latest games and all that other good stuff. But yeah, for me, like the 360 PS3 era, it turned a corner. It's acceptable. A car looks yeah. like a car, a bush looks mm-hmm. like a bush, a human looks like a human. If you zoom in on their face in a first-person game, they look pretty good still to me. Yeah. Will I think they look pretty good back? Like, yeah, I think they'll be acceptable. It, it will be acceptable. Like, mm-hmm. if you look at the PlayStation 1 or the N64, now we will get to be... I wonder if, you know, we've got pixel art fans at the moment. Will we get 3D polygonal art fans where, let's take Final Fantasy VII on the PlayStation 1. Those Chilby characters, very simple shading for the, the individuals outside of the cutscenes, worked in with the uh, rendered backgrounds, much like Resident Evil. Yeah. Will we end up getting a nostalgia for that 32-64-bit 32, lost era? Or will we just think that, yeah, forget that. Forget that. We want to forget that. I almost think, like, each couple generations, you appreciate the old a little bit more. Like, there are people who love pixel art. Yeah. yeah they're obviously gamers, you know, even developers. Yeah, they might not have the money, but like you said, they maybe use it just for aesthetic reasons rather yeah. than budget reasons. And they just love the old school style. So with the technology they have now, they can make a real 16-bit looking game looking like like you thought as a kid it looked when you mm. played, uh, you know. A but do you game. think there's going to be the same, is there going to be the same throwback and passion for a 32-bit game? Uh, with the really grubby lowbrow textures and the, the very simple shapes and geometry. Is there going to be... Like, I can see someone making a game that looks like Final Fantasy VII on the PlayStation 1. I can see that. Uh-huh. I can almost see someone making a game like the best version of a Resident Evil back in the day, you yeah. can imagine, with like great pixel art, 3D models, with these rendered backgrounds. And But do we want that? Because we don't want that, do we? We want the 2D one because it's... It's kind of cool that you can make yeah. something like that now, but would you want to put yourself through 3D art? Because Like Max Payne, for example. Yeah. When it first came out, bam, blew everybody away. His face looked real, you know. The, the, <laughs> I mean, I you know, at the time, right? Like the square face, the and you see his eyeballs, and I, you see the anger, and like, oh my God. If you look back at it now, it's like really not that good. But then if you take it from like an artistic standpoint, like, look what these guys did yes. to try to make it as real as it could be and focus on him. And Okay, maybe everything else is kind of like... Do you know what I'm, you know I'm going to do this week? Huh? I'm going to eat a lot of cheese-based potato puff snacks. 
I'm going to play a hell of a lot of Cyberpunk, but in between, I might dust off the PS2 and either play Max Payne, okay, or as a tribute mm-hmm. to Cyberpunk, I might actually put myself through the Matrix games on the PlayStation 2. Mm. Because they, obviously Keanu or Canoe Reeves as your... Uh, Whoever it is calls it. Your stepfather calls it Canoe Reeves. (laughs) He's in both games. And the realisation of him in Cyberpunk, he looks a little bit cross-eyed, to be fair. But Mm -hmm. uh, he's obviously in Enter the Matrix um, and The Age of Neo. I quite like to go back and... I've got a soft spot for the PlayStation 2 era games. Yeah, there are certain games I can go back to. And certain games I'm like... "Mm." But no. I'm going to dust that off for the facial expressions you just talked of, just to see how far we've come and see how well those games or not, as the case may well I be. I mean, even like bullet time, when I slow down and you can aim and the people got shot and yes. their reactions to the bullets. Yeah, so that's what made me think of it. I don't, actually, know? I think I've got Max Payne, so I might dust it off as well. But I just remember Max Payne on the PlayStation 2 you know, didn't control very well. It was yeah. a PC game that had been ported over. I mean, at the time, we made the best of it because it was all we had. But like, it, it didn't control the best. I don't want a bad mouth like Atari artist, but you know they did what they could do with what they had, right? Oh, so I yeah. think I think every system in the games have something that you can always look back and be like, "Wow, that was fantastic." Yeah, and then you're going to always have to say, "Oh, for the time." Yeah, I mean, and then now. Now, currently, you always wish, oh, that could have been better. Like, what do you want? Yeah. Like, ha, ha, like you, you want a real person in the game? I mean, it's, come on, you know? It's the one best thing I've noti- One thing I've noticed, and it's especially true in, I've noticed it most in VR. In character models on a flat screen game, you just take it as red. When you're in the game, like Blood and Truth, as much as I enjoy the gameplay, when you're talking to the characters in the cutscenes, they are... They feel tiny. They feel like half people. You know, they're very. They feel very short. Even though you're six foot, and it represents the six foot in the game that you are, because you're looking at the same height as you would be. The characters feel like if you got up close to someone, their face would like fill the whole area that you can <laughs> see. But and you look at the women; their waists are, are, are no bigger than my wrist. And I'm not a mm. big human being. I'm not like your typical gamer. I haven't decided to completely morph into the couch so to speak in fact if you if you have fair play to you but um i've decided to to not take that but there's no different representations of people in the games like the character models are so fragilely small it's weird that's one thing that i feel needs to be solved we've made them wait long enough bobby first up finster gamer he says, I think the thing to consider firstly is the difference between photorealism and high-resolution games can be one without being the other. Case in point, Cuphead. Mm-hmm. Very solid point here, listener. No, it's true. It's very sharp, crisp-looking game without being realistic, and there are games that aim for realism but can struggle to pull it off well. Resolution, for me, is the more important factor of the two as it's the difference between a blurry image or not. The rest is just a choice in art direction. That being said, gameplay is more important over visuals every time. To this day, I still play PS1 games such as Silent Hill, Resident Evil, and they continue to be some of my favorite games for their content, despite the obviously inferior visuals. Yeah, I 
I'm not even that bothered about the visuals in Resident Evil. I mean, Silent Hill took a deeper plunge than Resident Evil did, obviously, because it, it had more rendered stuff, uh-huh. like 3D engine stuff going on, whereas Resident Evil just did the character models. And they the try to hide a lot with the fog, which I thought was cool. In Silent Hill, yeah. Uh-huh. Which actually then aided to the, added to the mythos of the whole yeah. the whole thing, which was very clever. Um, so thank you for that, Finster Game. Who's next? We got RGT, Retro Gamer Thomas. He said, to be honest, I think gameplay is more important, but occasionally you will get a game where the devs have absolutely nailed it with the gameplay and graphics. Uh, example, both uh, new Spider-Man titles, they look fantastic, and gameplay is probably one of the best superhero games ever made. As far as pixels, as a collector and owner of a lot of retro titles, I look back at pixel graphics and similar amazement as I do with my PS5. True. I think both take a long time to make and are equally made by what would describe as artists. Uh, playing Streets of Rage today, I still look at it and think, wow, that's gorgeous. That's literally pixel art. I think overall gameplay is the most important, but each generation there has been uh, since the start of gaming. There's always been a dev that wants to push the system to the limit graphically and to the point where we have said, wow, how did they do that? Pixels or ray tracing, they're both fantastic to look at. Don't forget your emojis. Oh, with a little controller and little arcade stick. <laughs> I'll never forget emojis. Yes, every I, week you do. I don't know why. He's uh, he's right. I mean, there's a classic example of pixel art done well. It's mm-hmm. the is the Streets of Rage remake. I mean, I played yeah. that with a pixel art filter on, and I thought it looked fantastic. That looks really good, especially with the retro characters. It looked great. Yeah, and can you take a game with 2D art style? pixel art and then put all the modern stuff on like ray tray imagine that uh, the game that kind of nailed it and we've talked we've skirted around it a couple of times on this show um shadow complex i nearly had one of those moments where i had a senior moment where i couldn't remember <laughs> if you haven't played that bobby i don't think you have Mm-mm. but i you'd have to dig out your ps3 or ps4 to play it now because it was one of the games that was hailed as not being backwards compatible with the ps4 mm-hmm. um ps5 sorry but it was it used some really 3D backgrounds, but had that traditional 2D Metroidvania, which is a cliche, a little bit like roguelike these days. Yeah, but it had yeah. that retro Metroidvania style gameplay, um, to to quote a trope, which made it you know a joy to play. It's probably my favourite Xbox Live Arcade title that they brought out. Um, Gazlov's Games. Friend of the show, he says, uh, very good question, good sirs. It's all down to preference. There's pixel gamers and cutting edge 60 FPS gamers and those like me who appreciate art in many formats and just want to experience uh, when it's not all about graphics. A great game is made great by what it offers, which isn't always down to resolutions or frames. Green heart emoji, controller emoji, thumbs up emoji. Yeah. I just appreciate the art regardless i think as long as i can you know look at it and be like wow that's amazing i'm i'm satisfied you know for me at, at least mm. up next we got ginger's game room oh. he says i haven't been able to tell the difference since the, the, the glaucoma setting <laughs> <laughs> you're never gonna get a straight comment out of ginger we appreciate everything oh, he tells us anyway uh beautiful gene I tell you what, with all the afflictions that kid's got, I'm surprised he gets out of bed in the morning. <laughs> uh, he wants me to adopt him as well. This is my first on-air announcement. I'm uh, going to look into adopting a, a grown man 
as my own child, seemingly. Tax write-off, baby. Is it? Right, perfect. 100%. Consider it done. <laughs> yeah. Plus, he gets to move out to America with us, so it doesn't exactly. really get any better, does it? No. Up next, C. Pliskin. Uh, he says, for me, it depends on the title and the level of enjoyment that it wants to give off. Many games that were based off or meant to emulate real life back in the day of uh, King's Atari, such as Adventure or E.T., failed to capture what's supposed to be seen as close to real life, somewhat justifying why the game covers from Atari had lots of effort put into them as it's supposed to represent what the game was about. That's very true. We've touched on that. The, the box art was way better than the game sometimes. But on the other spectrum, when we look at the gradual push to photorealism during the late 2000s, while we have titles that are enjoyable alongside that use of visual style, like Uncharted, which certain games made a jump to this style, uh, with Sonic 06, the introduction of realistically based humans didn't really match the usually cartoony nature the series already had, and why something like Sonic Unleashed went to a more Pixar style for both the main cast and its NPCs. In, so- in short, I'm personally fine with either form, so long as it doesn't take away or diminish what makes the title itself great beyond its art style. Does that make any sense? Um, of course it does. I think that's basically what we've all been touching on and saying. Mm-hmm. I probably made a complete car crash of your comment, um, but I got lost halfway through in the Silent Hill-like fog, then found my way out towards the end of the comment. <laughs> and does it make any sense? Yes, of course it does, Superskin. You know what it's kind of like? Like, let's say, I don't know, we get 10 people and we go to the museum and look at art. Mm. You know, 9 out of 10, like, oh, that's beautiful. One guy's like, eh. You know, it just yeah. really depends yeah. on your visual style, I guess. This next person, before we get away with this, I, Johan, one of the fabulous members of the Animatic Productions, one of the three musketeers, the three yeah. musketeers. That, 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 did that make any sense, Seepliskin? Probably not. You probably sat with your headphones <laughs> on thinking, George, talking a lot of nonsense. Anyway, I watched him stream this week. He did the, um, I can't remember what it's called now, it's the cyber taxi game that we did in the Stingray's boot a while back. I enjoyed watching him play. It was fantastic. Also went and found the time to watch Badabingster Retro Gaming. He didn't have a mic, so it wasn't long, but I watched him clear out a camp. And I also watched Mr. Graham C play a little bit of FIFA as well. So it was nice. Oh, nice. I popped my head up. I popped up Periscope, went to Periscope Depth, popped it up and did a quick circle sweep and back down again. But yeah, as always, uh, Johan and the Animatic Productions, they're streaming all the time on Twitch. I feel terribly guilty that I can't keep up with it all. But uh, I've got game. How can I talk about games? I need, I, I need to game, boys. But I'm, I'm there when I can. So don't worry, the guilt is real. What's Johan got to say for himself? And I asked him if he was wearing a neckerchief at the time and he said no. And I said no. <laughs> just tell me that you are so he did you know I didn't, I didn't want the I didn't want the fantasy to pop for me no you can't he's always wearing a neckerchief his lowest base level even when he strips down nude at the hospital he's still wearing the <laughs> neckerchief 100% he got to hasn't he that's part of him now <laughs> if I, you know what I'm saying if I have to choose I would go pixel art because that is what it is art that is ageless and timeless it's like seeing a painting in a gallery but photoreal, but photorealism is like CGI movies. You can have Star Wars or The Mummy too. It varies in quality. It can get pretty terrible. As well, depending on the console and power, it can either be amazing or down and awful. Only game where photorealism worked for me was PT, since it literally looked like a photograph and hasn't felt dated at all. Which mm-hmm. is true. What he's saying, because I think horror games, especially newer ones, really push the photorealism yeah. because. 
how else can you get scared? Is, it, is it a big creature going to yeah. scare you? Yeah. So if the more real it looks, the more terrified you might be. Yeah, I think, is it Until Dawn? I think it is, isn't it? That looked, I mean... Until Dawn looked good. Yeah, I don't think E.T. looks looks great. Yeah. Uh, Some of the PC games they have, just for horror, the first-person horror games on PC. Yeah. Listen, play that at night in here. Good luck. (laughs) Some of them look really good. Really, really good. Uh, Yeah, great. Very eloquently put as well. He's probably took my feature and balled it down to like two sentences, in which case, you know, I might as well just hang up my hat. But uh, thank you for that, Johan. Very good. From his cell in uh, New York Penitentiary, Tommy UK 73, former host of the Unofficial Controller podcast, says, always photorealism and 60s... Never, he is that sport, bright, isn't he? <laughs> always photorealism and 60 F- FPS where possible. Tom wouldn't be able to tell the difference between 30 and 60 FPS if his life depended. <laughs> but you know what? Say it anyway. If I want pixel games, I'll play my Switch. I just want to have cutting edge, very best that you can get. Fair enough. He's true to his consistent narrative. Up next, we got Digital Monkery. 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 I said Monkery. That's how we do it over here. Monkers, Yonkers, whatever you need. Yep, it's true. We're doing it? Yeah, well, well, we're not sure if he's in the list. Because I reckon we've had a comment from him back in the day, but he's gone all in on Discord and Instagram. Definitely, he definitely has. So he just needs to encourage someone to join us, and he's one of the new 100 percenters. So let's give yeah. him a clap anyway. He's a new listener. I don't. We need the noise for like 100 percenter, like 100 percenter. Uh, oh, do like a like a chime, like a you know, I don't know something. Like yeah, that sort of noise. But yeah, we'll talk to somebody. Okay, we'll get a sound effect in. Okay. Uh, just like with movies, quality of visuals alone doesn't make it good. If you don't have this storytelling gameplay, right, it just won't make it engaging and enjoyable. I did about three hours of Death Stranding before I lost interest in it, but found Detroit to be the most emotionally engaging game I've played in years. Getting uh, Kara killed just before her happy ending wiped me out. So yes, visuals are important, but they should be uh, the finishing touch into a game, not the only thing lifting it above its mediocrity. Uh, as my time for games has shrunk, I found myself drifting more into the direction of gameplay and storytelling over visuals, dropping further and further back in generations as needed, because I need to make sure I'm not wasting my time on something pretty with no substance. Hmm. That's very true. solid point. I mean, and I it found... wasn't it wasn't a spoiler alert that there's many, 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 many endings. Ah, in right, Detroit. okay, because I would kind of so, tuned out. I tried to tune yeah, out. Yeah, no, so there. anything can happen in a game. He did three hours of Death Stranding before he lost interest. Now, that was a game that visually hooked me in, and then the storytelling hooked me in. But we've said many times, it's probably, as most games aren't for everybody, but mm-hmm. that I know is particular, um, particularly not for everybody. But, you know, much like Cyberpunk, there's a hell of a high wall to climb before you're even in the game. So I understand that, that uh, people haven't got the time or patience for it in this day and age. Uh, Bobaloba says, I like the first bite of a nice dessert or the first sip of a rum and coke. Graphics are great for that initial wow factor, but once you get going, it's a gameplay that makes it good, keeps you playing it. I'll still happily play on my SNES if the game's good. Very true. I like that. I like the first first bite of a nice dessert. Well, the first it's true. Sip. I mean, imagine you get like, you know, you're a female and see a good looking man. And you're like, wow, Hang on a abs. minute. Bobaloba doesn't just do games. 
Bobaloba does. The finest games, comment you can buy. Like the first bite of a nice dessert, or the first sip of a rum and coke. It's this high level of caliber comment that makes Bobaloba the finest of commenters. Every time he comments, mm-hmm. that's the voice. That's the voice for him now, is it? Yeah. Like the first bite of a nice dessert, yeah. or the first sip of a rum and coke. Boba Loba, the finest commenter. Who's next? Comic Picture 79. Well, shall I do him? Because then if you do the next guy, I can be... Yeah, make, okay, makes sense. Okay. Comic Picture 79, the immortal Adam the Artist. You can find him on Instagram. You can find him on Etsy. Mm-hmm. You can find him pretty much everywhere these days. He's uh, Comic Pictures No Space. And on Instagram, he's comic pitch 79. He says, I don't think the matter, I don't think they matter at all. It's wonderful to see for sure. Being blown away by visuals is pretty nice, but a great game is a great game regardless of what it looks like. A link to the past is easily still the best Zelda, and Yi'ar Kung Fu is still good enough to be an esports legend. <laughs> as always, slightly more sort of succinct and to the point this week, but still absolutely bang on as always by the mighty Scotsman. Who's next? We got the 16-bit prick. <laughs> Which is the first time I ever read his name, I think. Making this show mature M-rated mm-hmm. all by yourself. Uh, he says, great question. For me personally, graphics don't mean a thing to me as long as the gameplay is fun and enjoyable. A stunning game only works good for so long until the next best thing comes mm-hmm. out. But the great, but a great gameplay always stands the test of time. I hope pixelated games uh, do stay around. The majority of my favorite games on last gen came from indie developers. The one for a more retro feel. I do understand that can be a preference thing, though. A lot of companies could do with taking a step back, take FIFA and the latest WWE games, for example. They took fantastic, but they took, they look fantastic. Yeah. But the gameplay has been awful. And for years now, fans of those games have been sold on them for rather how they look and rather how they play, which I think is more important. It's pointless having stunning gameplay, uh, looking at a game if it's unplayable at times. Yeah. Which is super true. That's what I'm saying. Like, you know, your girl at the beach, you see like a, you know, hunk of man with some like six pack abs, beautiful hair, just beautiful. You're like, wow, he looks great. So the girl, the girl says, hey, how are you? He's like, I'm doing fine. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm doing fine. Or right. he can't even speak a sentence. Or, hey, how's the weather? He has no clue what that means. What's the point? No, there probably is no point. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think I think we're all on the same path here, but it was uh, hopefully a question's worth asking. Before we sign off, we've got two more listeners' comments. Uh, sign off on the feature. Don't worry, you've still got a third of a slice left of your favourite gaming show, listener. Don't panic. There's no need to look down at your phone or panic because you thought I was about to end the show. It's about a bingster retro gaming. I've always been a fan of pixel art. Sir. I've always wanted to make a sad scrolling retro pixel art game, but I, I don't know how to draw or where to start. Uh, however, we've paid so much money for new consoles. And I understand that photorealism is important to some people. I think the story needs to be good. Otherwise, why play the game? So we have come a long way since the SNES. However, like uh, Bob Loba said, give me uh, an official or unofficial SNES controller uh, and I will play a game on there. <laughs> 
see what I did there, sir, with the unofficial controller for you, sir? Yes, that's a, the emojis before I sign off is a little gaming controller emoji and a trophy emoji and the Italian flag, sir, emoji. Stand still, everybody. Stand up for the Italian national anthem. And sit down, everybody. Yes. But I mean... <laughs> Every comment needs to have the flag, you know. I need to say, everybody stand up for the national anthem, sir. It'd be so amazing. If everyone could throw their flag down, that'd be dope. Oh, but then then there might be an expectation I need to do the voice, and I'm not willing to yeah, that's appropriate true. I don't know that many. And, 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 and all that other stuff. Signing off, and he's he's boiled all this down to a very, very single emoji. Goodness knows why, but we welcome everything. It's 9NE136. He's a new listener. listener. And what we have here is the single flame emoji. One would imagine that means fire, which is what the young kids think is cool. So I don't know whether that means he likes pixels versus photorealism or whether he thinks the topic's good or whether he thought the image that we'd shot for our Instagram page was fire. At this moment in time... (laughs) Who even cares? Guess what? He's storming down Fifth and Main like a thing possessed. It's time for a peek in what we affectionately call Stingray's boot, what's nestled between some counterfeit nappies and a dodgy copy of Battlefriend all this week. These are the new release highlights for the week, December 7th, December 13th, 2020. Listeners, these are out on digital or physical, or will be by the time this podcast is in your feed, but could be. Oh, yes, they could be. Region dependent. Now, it's time to pick a video, a VHS out the boot, a pirate VHS, no less. And it's also time to pick a mummy mummy game out the boot. Do you know what he's been up to this week? Mm-mm. I haven't seen him. He's been boxing up copies of Shadowrun for the SNES and selling them off as Cyberpunk 2076. Makes sense. You try to sell me a copy of 2078. <laughs> By Project Rojo. <laughs> I mean... Perfect. That's the kind of thing I want to see out of Stingrays. Getting back to his roots, his old stingers. Uh, here's a game straight out of the boot that's caused... I mean, I know what my mum and mum is. I've already raved on about it. I actually think it, it deserves the good praise right now. Prior to this, it needed the praise. Now it needs the praise. And going forward, it will need the praise. So that's my mummy mummy. Uh, here's a game that's... Uh, if you've not on our Discord, then you're missing out on conversations like this because there was a, a checked-in last week and there was a really wonderful conversation going on about this it's call of the sea it's a pc xbox series x and xbox one i believe it's on games pass so if you're a member of games pass it will cost you zero pounds zero pence much like the highbrow uh this show costs you nothing all we want is your comments december 8th this is call of the sea is another worldly tale of mystery and love set in the 1930s South Pacific. Explore a lush island paradise, solve puzzles, and unlock secrets in the hunt for your husband's missing expedition. This is going to get the community mummy mummy, which is a, an award I've just invented, because like of the uh, digital monkery, uh, Adam, a.k.a. Comic Pictures, a.k.a. Finchy, a.k.a. the man of many names, and Finster Gamer having a nice conversation about this. I checked in on the Discord, saw this. And I was like, "This is very game related. This makes me happy to see." Wonderful. This is what you. This is what upholding the unofficial controller podcast uh-huh. standards is about. I mean, I encourage you to talk about anything, but seeing people talk about a game, wonderful. Making digital monkery feel part of the family, amazing. Beautiful. What's next? Doom Eternal for the Switch, December eighth. Hell's Army had invaded Earth. 
become the Slayer in an epic single-player campaign to conquer demons across dimensions and stop the final destruction of humanity. The only thing they fear is you. Uh, okay, finally got onto the Switch. The last one they got working pretty well, so one imagines this one looks equally as good. Puyo Puyo Tetris 2, Xbox Series X, PS4, Xbox One, and Switch, December 8th. Japan's beloved puzzle game series Puyo Puyo and the renowned Tetris game franchise have teamed up again to deliver even more Puyo popping and Tetrimino cleaning fun in Puyo Puyo Tetris 2. Halfway through Tetrimino, I thought this is going to end badly, but I pulled it back Finish the sentence without tripping over my own tongue, Bobby. Yeah. You did a great job. Thank God I, I didn't read that. Thank, thank Lord. Uh, up next, we got Snakes on a Plane. Nah, ah, ah. What? Have another look at that title, friend. Your brain filled in the gaps. Oh, my God. Snakes. It's not Snakes. I'm sorry. It's so good. Shakes on a Plane. Shakes on a Plane. This is the PG version of Snakes on a Plane. It's PC and Switch, December 8th. Shakes on a Plane is a chaotic co-op shaking game for you to for one to four players. Flying on various planes with your crew, uh, swerve up a variety of tasty shakes, burgers, fries, and many more. Dishes before the plane lands on the airport and your passengers rate your services. So basically, it's like restaurant diner dash. Yeah, I just don't understand why it needs to be. It shakes. It, it's shaking. I don't understand. I don't know what the answer Personally, is. Personally, I don't Oh, tasty point. shakes. I thought the people had like so, some sort of shaking disease, but uh, seemingly not. Uh, I've been on a shaky plane, and that's, I thought it was a horror game. Yeah, I mean. That's terrifying, dude. Yeah. You got your faith in God when you, when you leave terra firma. Um, now, I didn't think we were going to have a roguelike this week, but doing the research to compile the uh, Stingray's boot, Swords of Gargantua is described as as a roguelike. It's just not in its its pre. It's uh, all the games companies release a, a press statement of what the game is. A very short line, sometimes yeah. more than a short line. The scoundrels that take up six paragraphs of information. But Swords of Gargantua, outside of its press release, described itself as a roguelike. But it's Swords of Gargantua on PSVR, December eighth. This looked actually okay but very very simple Swords of Gargantua is a VR sword action game you can experience in single player mode or online co-op with three players traverse through the Tesseract Abyss floors with the aim of taking down the giant Gargantua in its deepest floor floor 101 next we got Tentum yeah for the PS5 December 8th Tentum is a massive multiplayer creature location adventure uh, seek adventure in the lowly airborne Appalachio alongside your Tantum squad. Catch every Tantum, battle other tamers, customize your house, join a friend's adventure, or explore the dynamic online world. <sighs> Sounds a bit like an Eva game, but it's actually Pokemon on a budget. Up next, Wood Salt PC and Switch, December 9th. Wood Salt is an adventure game set on the planet of New Terror. A thousand years after Earth was evacuated during chaotic natural disasters, an attack by giant creatures. Have you picked your mummy mummy yet? Is it the same uh, as me? Yeah, 100%. Well, okay. Up next, we got Animal Farm for PC, December 10th. Now, careful with this because Stingers has got another copy of Animal Farm in there, which is not really for general consumption. I'll just leave no, it at no. that. Yeah. I, okay. I Make sure imagine. you pick out the PC game. Copy that. Orwell's Edible Farm is a text-based choose-your-own-adventure game where all 
The animals are equal, but some are more equal than others. Immerse yourself in George Orwell's story of absolute power, corruption, and follow the ups and downs of animalism. <laughs> awesome. Okay, next. Uh, Brigandine, The Legend of Runisaria on PS4, December 10th. Conquer the continent in this grand strategy simulation game. The content of Runisaria is home to six major powers with more than 40 bases, 100 knights, and 50 types of monsters. Select your ruler, compose your platoons of knights and monsters, and march to claim enemy bases. The player chooses how they will battle, so devise the best strategy to lead your nation toward continental conquest. How will your legend unfold? And we have, I guess, our pick. It's our mummy, mummy. Normally we have one each, but this week we're going all in. We're telling Double mummy, 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 we want two copies of this. No, mm-hmm. I don't care. We can't share. We need to go off to our separate areas and play <laughs> it in solitary confinement in darkened rooms with a sack of Cheetos, uh, lots and lots of bottled sodas. So we mm-hmm. don't, uh, and then much like um, Howard Hughes, once we've consumed a beverage, we will urinate in the beverage bottle and put it at the door for Mumsy to collect. That's what a true Mumsy Mumsy is. What is it? Cyberpunk 2077, PC, PS4, Xbox, and Stadia, December 10th. Uh, Cyberpunk 2077 is an open-world action-adventure story uh, set in Night City, a megapolis. A megalopolis. Megalopolis. I missed a low there. Uh, Obsessed with power, (laughs) glamour, and body modification. You play as V, a mercenary outlaw, going after a one-of-a-kind implant that is the key to immortality. Yes. Amazing. Next, Haven, PC, PS5, Xbox Series X and Xbox One, December 10th. Two lovers gave up everything and escaped to a lost planet to be together. Glide through a mysterious landscape and explore a fragmented world and fight against what's trying to tear them apart in this RPG adventure game about love, rebellion, and freedom. Then we have uh, Sword of the Necromancer for PC, PS4, Xbox One, and Switch, December 10th. Help Tama to save Coco using the powers of the Forbidden Sword of the Necromancer. Turn your foes into allies and reach the depths of the Necromancer's dungeon. Defeat the Guardians to gain enough soul power to bring Coco back from the dead, no matter the cost. Now, if it wasn't so close to Christmas, I'll be hanging on Mummy's aprons to get this as well. Uh, This gets a... If only I could be allowed it, but I'm only allowed one game out of the boot. We've got Medal of Honor Above and Beyond PC VR December 11th. Now, I've seen some mixed reviews about this, but when I checked it out, I thought this is absolutely fantastic. You know, it's a very light. uh, Graphically, it looks like somewhere between a PS2 and a PS3 game, but it gives you the scope to be a first-person shooter set in World War II, but in VR. Um, It's got all the sort of uh, visuals and, and set pieces and grand design that this franchise is famous for but just imagine a a really polished ps2 early ps3 game and that's probably what you're going to get visual wise but that didn't take away the second world war was full of some of the most hideous but awe-inspiring visual things that you the the average person in this day and age won't see in the trailer i saw a ship sinking you know up out the water and it was sinking down i you know there was a section in it where i believe you're in a, a a bomber in VR as well, so you're crawling to the back of the plane to get into the gun turret to start firing. Obviously, very simplistic gameplay to be firing from a turret, but the fact that you transition through the bomber to get to the turret, I thought this is wonderful, you know, and situations that as modern day people will never get to experience. And this is like a very sort of yeehaw arcadey version of it, one would imagine. But I got 
pulled in for the short time I spent checking it out. It's Medal of Honor Above and Beyond PCVR December 11th. Take the fight to war-torn Europe in Medal of Honor Above and Beyond. The franchise returns to its roots, complete with a single-player campaign, multiplayer modes, and powerful interviews with survivors and veterans of the Second World War. So yeah, with that, I haven't forgotten. My VHS pick this week is Look Who's Talking. Kirstie Alley, John Travolta, and John... um, John McClane, that's the character he plays. Mm-hmm. George, come on. Bruce Willis is the voice of the child. Um, bit of fun, bit of light. I would say it's fun for all the family. And in the 80s and the 90s, we, we certainly used to uh, have a little bit more acceptance that kids would just watch stuff and not get it. But mm-hmm. would I show this to my kids? Not when the opening intro is uh, an egg and some sperms. Uh, yeah, wild. And a man cheating on his uh, a wife with Kirsty Alley to father mm. the child. <laughs> um, for the most part, it's acceptable. It really is. But there's some, I don't know. Is it a family movie? No. Mm-mm. Is it a film you could watch with teenagers? Not without some embarrassment on both of yours. Yeah. Part. Is it a film you can enjoy with a loved one, a girlfriend, boyfriend? Well, it's, like, it's like a rom-com kind of like, right? Yeah, it's a rom-com. Damn yeah. right. Uh, it's fine. It's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's my pick. What's yours? Barbarella. Oh, wow. With uh, Jane Fonda. One of my favorite Duran Duran songs as well. Oh, yes. I, what was the name of that song? Electric Barbarella. Well, that's the that's the main chorus of the song. I think that's what it's called. Electric they Barbarella. made it, it for just that, for that movie? Yeah, it's kind of loosely based around it. And, well, that's pretty you cool. Know, they've got some links back to Barbarella anyway, so it was, it was nice that they did the song. But yeah, I, I watched it long, long, long time ago. And then I was snooping around the Amazon, you know, Prime movies, just whatever. Eva was sleeping. I'm like, oh, wow, Barbara, I haven't seen this in, a, in forever. So I put it on, watched it. You know, it is a stupid movie, but it is what it is. Um, but because of that movie, I got recommended probably every B-rated Grindhouse movie <laughs> from <laughs> horror to action to sci-fi. So oh I, I'm going down a road that I can't turn back around yet. <laughs> well some, some, you've, some you've, you've decided to watch Barbarella again because Stingray's pulled it out from the cavernous boot of his Nissan Bluebird and he slapped it in your palm with a copy of Cyberpunk 2078 for you and a copy of Cyberpunk 2076 for the Atari 2600 for me <laughs> I don't think we're going to be getting quite what we wanted but do you know what we're happy alright bag of mm-hmm. Cheetos yeah we'll be fine Fine. With that, the boot slammed. Your wheel spins off. There's no sound effect from leaving because we're a show that can only afford a sound effect from arriving. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're like. But those who paid attention at the top of the show, Bobby, they know that the show can only end when I ask you what you're hoping to play. What are you hoping to play, friend? Definitely Valhalla. Just keep, keep that going. And I think to take a little bit of breaks, if I get to. I don't know, bored of hopping around everywhere. Uh, I want to finish up Mutant League. I just need two trophies left. Ah, uh, yeah. With 100%. And then I really don't have anything else currently, but I can go back on something else, maybe, but we'll see. But th- those two are, I'll focus on this week. Okay. What about you? Um, I plan on doing another probably unhealthy stint on Cyberpunk, punctuated by small crashes, one would imagine, here, there, and everywhere. 
Uh, he saves frequently, so it's not so much of an issue. You normally get back into it. Uh, I mean, one would imagine it's maybe the saves that are causing it to crash because when you get back in the game, it's literally right before you get crashed. So, you know, I don't want to send CD Projekt Red on a, a wild goose chase, but I'll probably start there, to be fair. Um, Interesting. Other than that, I'll probably try and platinum Mars Morales this week, get it all done and dusted. Um Again, we don't do spoilers on the show, but it'll be nice to be able to give you a full, total completion point of view. Nothing will change, I don't think. Um, my opinion of it being a, a top-tier launch game. Although it's cross-gen, it, it's certainly making the most of the PS5. So I'll get that done, so I can park that. I'll probably... I feel guilty I'm not playing more Valhalla. I just want to mainline the main story now, to be fair. I mean, Asgard can go swivel. Um, I went in there way too low level for it and got stuck uh, creating a portal with an artist who was painting on some rocks and I got besieged by these guys and they were just too high level for where mm-hmm. I was at the time and I just I was getting close to getting them but there was just too many of them and one of the guys with the big stick he was yeah. like <clears throat> and it was like I was dead done so you know I, my problem is now what's that I, I put the game on hard yeah because I think I'm just too I'm way over leveled yeah for and and I, I don't know where I am game wise, but uh, I maybe Jorvik well mid game I don't know, right? Like I haven't even completed all the uh, uh, alliances yet, so I don't know where. But that's where I am, and then everyone like literally if they hit me, I block them or I, I parry them, they're dead. Yeah, I have to go higher in difficulty. That's the way you choose to play it. I mean, I, the way I choose to play it, I'm. I'm over 60 level anyway. So, you know, I've, you know, if I see, I don't go out my way to collect every Hoover up every single bit mm-hmm. of yellow, but if there's something within the vicinity that's not too far away, yeah, I'll Hoover it up. And I, I, I absorbed all of Norway before I left. And then Britain, I've kind of just, like, I've just lost my weight. Like, mm-hmm. like the Assassin's Creed games, you know, when I did my big run of Assassin's yeah, Creed yeah. at the start of the year and I decided I'd play through them all and I lost my way with it. And to me, this game, it's so bloated but there's no hook to keep me going i don't think yeah. like, like the only standout story mission that i did was that one in east anglia which left me thinking yeah that was i actually do you know what i enjoyed all the characters i enjoyed all the gameplay that was introduced or used during that section and when it finished i was like yeah that was good i don't know where i've got to go to next it might be york it, you know and uh, to, yeah i see my problem with it is like you know, Viking, 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 Viking. But, like, you're not very Viking, are you? No. Like, no. you go raid a camp, and it's like, yeah, your people are with you. But there's no, like, you know, there's no shield wall. Ah, uh, well, Finch, you said this in the Discord. Yeah, you, you know, know by, it, by accident, if you, you know, kill an enemy, but there's a pedestrian nearby, it says if you do another one, you'll be desynchronized. Like, Yeah, like when, war, Vikings, when Vikings raided monasteries, you know? They killed everybody, the monks yeah. included. Yeah, if like, you I'm killed... not saying... When I first raided a monastery in the game, yeah. a, a monk was running up the road, so I got my bow out and shot Me too. him in the I back. Did the same thing. And I it was the like desynchronized. Yeah. It's like, why? Yeah. Why? Like, I can only be a, a Viking, a woke Viking, and some of the decisions that are made story-wise, like I know it's a modern telling, mm-hmm. and they're using modern-day lenses to look back through the Vikings, but some of the things that are said, some of the things that are done, are so non-Viking. 
Mm-hmm. Like at the wedding, one of the one of the brothers, another one of the brothers, not the brothers from the previous storyline we talked about last week, came yeah, up yeah, and he's yeah. like, "Hey, you know, I uh, don't know if you're interested, but uh, would you would you be interested in and and Evil's Evil's like, what you want me to plow you? And I'm thinking, mm, okay, that's very 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 21st that's, century. That's the thing, though, right? Like you could be male, female, whatever. And you can do whatever you want. Uh, right. So if you're the female, cool, no problem. You're right. Yeah. Or you know, what if you're you know a homosexual man? That's cool. Like okay, cool. Like I can you know I have the ability to choose now. But if you're just you know a, a regular person, you're like ah eh, no thanks. You know I'd rather go for the female and or vice versa. Maybe you're you know female female cool. There's options there. The problem well, is well, to be fair, I just don't think it adds anything to the story. Like in before I left Norway, I um, went into a pool for this woman in near a waterfall and pulled out a, a comb. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, well, the story, the, the, the dialogue tree sort of ended up with me laying on a rug with her and me having, us having a night of or yeah, afternoon yeah. of pleasure together. And when it was finished, she was an NPC. So her facial animations weren't great. And the level of uh, dedication to her wasn't that great. So she, she didn't look amazing. Mm-hmm. She wasn't of any interest to me. Um, did I feel anything from that? No. Did it add anything to the story? No. Did it add anything See, to the gameplay? No. Did even it, there was just no, there's no place no. for it at all. Even even like okay, I, um, my first girlfriend, the uh, I forgot her name. She's the the archer, the hunt, hunter, the huntress. Yeah. In your town. Okay, cool. Now you have the option for other women. You don't break up. You don't do anything. It's just the thing you can do. Yeah. Does it add into the game? No. Like The Witcher. I mean, yeah, the first time you went to a um, a brothel, you know, it's pretty yeah. funny. Ha, ha, ha. Okay, cool. But once you do, it's the same animation. Yeah. Well, and I, you get nothing from it. So what's the point? I clicked on that. I ended up going to a street in Cyberpunk and uh, a woman uh, appropriated me. And I sort of said, oh, hi, you know, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. It's like 100 euro dollars to spend the night with her. And it did all this cutscene, and I thought to myself, "This game's eighteen rated, so technically an adult is the only person that can buy it." Yeah. Anyone who got the kicks from that, strange. Anyone who thought, "Oh, that you know, an adult is like, yeah, oh, that feels like a mature game now because that option was in there." Like, really? Yeah. Nah. To nah. me, like even the God of War games from PS3. Yeah, there was a mini game for a sexual encounter. It's just there to be there. Was there a point to it, really? I mean, did it make or break the game? No. What's the issue? What's the point? Mm. You know? There's the phone. That's Sal Buccio. He says it's time to end the show. And end so, it. Let's end it. Yeah. Let's, uh, it's been an absolute joy and a pleasure. And uh, no doubt we'll speak to our fine listeners here next week. But uh, that's all we have time for this week, listeners. As always, thank you for your time. Look forward to the pleasure of speaking to you again next week. Until then, happy gaming. And remember, there's nothing wrong with being given the unofficial controller. It's what you do with it that counts. I've had a wonderful time, Bobby, as always. Take care. Thank you. See you, See you listeners. Bye. Bye. Zudamax Media. 
leave a review wherever you found this show. Zudamax Media is the world's largest streaming service straight out of Mexico.